I really came with more than what I can see. So that means that this part of it, you know, there's another part, you know. It's okay. I, 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 I won't rush it, rush it, okay. I'll just put a note where I stopped and we stop there and start there next time, you know. But to acknowledge that, I believe that there's some friends that you can do that with too. Am I right? Would you raise your hand? All those of the first CEG, amen. It's Angelique Rita is part of the board and doing an excellent job with that. And we appreciate all of her work and effort. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, will you turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 4? Gospel of John, chapter 4. We are still working out a series, Church on Fire, but today I would like to narrow that to a subject matter of the fire of true worship. The, the fire of true worship. The fire of true worship. John chapter 4, beginning in verse 19. Familiar passage of scripture, familiar story, but don't run ahead of me. Typically, I don't go the way you think I should go. Chapter 4, verse 19, and it reads as such from the uh, New American Standard Bible. Uh, if you don't have a New American Standard Bible, you can look up at the screen, and, and it is there. And it reads as such in our hearing. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worship in this mountain, and people say that in Jerusalem is the place where man ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. It says, says for such people, the Father seeks to be his worshippers. Why? God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is, is coming. He is called the Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Let's stop there. Let's Heavenly Father, even now in the mighty name of Jesus, move Tracy out of the way and speak 
keep us, your children. Father, your, your words are spiritual life. So speak life to us. Where life comes forth, Lord. Speak into the innermost part of our beings where, where when we walk out of here, we are more alive than when we first came in. Lord, through your word, breathe on us. Lord, through your word, breathe on us. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You can roll the, the pictures of fire. Pictures that you're going to see on the screen is churches that that are on fire. Fire that has is out of control, is out of place. The buildings are burning. The first thought is, is there anybody in those buildings? Because it's dangerous. It's tragedy. It's destruction. Fire that is not properly harnessed, that is not properly in its place will cause damage. A forest fire leaves total destruction behind its path. And you wonder how many animals have been destroyed, how many people have been hurt, how many people have been burnt up because a fire is now out of its containment and where it should be is not it is a wildfire which brings about destruction. A fire in a fireplace, though. Because it is in the place where it is supposed to be. Because a fireplace is made out of mortar and bricks and can take the heat. Because there is a chimney and a flute that allows the smoke to go on the outside instead of filling up the inside. A chimney, and there's a picture of a chimney of fire, is in its proper place. And it brings about warmth. It brings about light. It draws you in, and if that's the only source of heat you got, instead of it bringing destruction, it gives you what you need. Matter of fact, there's a fire of a laser. I've been in the surgery room where a doctor did not use the scalpel, but he used a laser, and the laser cut through the flush, and a laser is concentrated light that creates a fire and is able to burn through the tissues of your body in order to make a, a, a precise, precise precision cut. Matter of fact, whether you know or not, you use fire getting here today. <laughs> Let me see if I can explain. Within the engine of your car, if you don't have an electric car, you have a combustible car. And your engine is a combustible engine that uses fire in order to make your engine run. 
Let me, let me see if I can help you out a little bit. See, what it does is take the, the combustible gasoline and use it in a chamber, and your spark plug sparks the oxygen and the gas and creates a fire, which is combustion. In that combustion, pushes the valve, which turns your, your, your crankshaft, which runs the engine of your car. So guess what? It took fire for you to go zoom, zoom down the highway. It is a precise fire that has purpose, that has been contained, that is used to, to get an end result. It is not a wildfire because if something goes wrong with your engine, your engine has the potential to blow up because it's a fire out of control. But when it is happening within the valves and it is pushing the valve that puts the camshaft, then it gets you to go where you need to go. But if it's not a fire, you can't go nowhere. If man has to control a fire, how much does God control the fire in the church? God just don't want some folk who are jumping up and down and, and turning upside down and flipping over. See, see I believe if, if God touched you and you do jump up and down, that after you jump, something ought to happen on the inside. If, if you jump up and, and fall out and do backflips, you ought not to get up the same way you lay down. Listen, if you get up with the same nasty attitude, you, then maybe it's not the right fire that made you jump in the Sometimes we get caught up in the, the emotional turmoil. We get caught up. And don't get me wrong, I love feeling the Holy Ghost. I think we ought to be loud and exuberant about our worship. But wait a minute. If that's all that there is, then we need to close the door and go home. When God touched you, when, when God touched you, when, when God touched you, you can't tell me you can remain the same. Jesus in our text is in a conversation with the Samaritan woman. And, and in that historical setting, Jews do not go through Samaritan because the Samaritans are half-breeds. They half-Jews. They have even started to build their own temple instead of going to Jerusalem. And they worship, but they don't have a good understanding of their worship. Amen. The text in, in our text, John chapter, John chapter 4, here she is in discussion with Jesus. And Jesus has just told her about her background that she, 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 she's not just had five husbands, but the woman that she, the man that, listen to that, the woman, I updated the story. Well, <laughs> the man that she had, 
date. Cliff note, the woman that she has. You know, everybody got a little bit of religion. Notice why I said religion, not relationship. Everybody want to talk relation, want to talk religion. See, 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 now because she's cornered, she get religious about it. Since I perceive you a prophet. But I know when the crack, wait a minute. How does she know so much and so little at the same time? See, we got to be listeners of the truth because folks on the outside will mess you up if you don't know what you're talking about. They will take some half-truths that you never heard before and make you doubt what you think you know. I'm not saying you got to be a theologian, but I am saying you need to know what you know, what you know, what you know. Time is out for us to have blind faith. You need to have intelligent faith. You need to be listening to what the preacher is saying. You need to be reading your word. But when folks on the outside ask you why you got hope for what your hope is, you can intelligently explain yourself. Listen, listen what I'm talking about. You listen, if you know enough, if, if you really know enough, don't can't nobody make you doubt what you know. I don't care who they are. And you can't listen to everybody who come knocking on your door just because they act like they know what they know. They may not know the same God that you know. We got to be intelligent about our faith. I mean, she's beginning to talk religion. They will talk religion with you, but they won't talk relationship with you. She says, she says I perceive that you are a prophet. Our father. That's what she's saying. My background. My religion. My father. My heritage. What I grew up with, we worship in this mountain. And you got to remember that back then in the Old Testament, Jerusalem was the spot of worship. That represented the presence of God. So since the Samaritans wasn't accepted by the Jews, they built their own temple. They built their own mountain. And to her, what she had was true. Y'all didn't hear that. Just because they think it's true don't mean it's true. And you cannot go around saying, well, we all serve one God. No, we don't. If they don't come through Jesus, they don't know your God. Plus, I ain't trying to hurt nobody's feelings. But the truth is the truth is the truth is the truth. And listen, since everybody else then came out the closet, you might as well come out the closet and say, this is what I believe. Verse 
21. He said, and Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming that there is neither this mountain nor Jerusalem which you will worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. Have a zeal, but not according to knowledge. You know what that's saying to us? You best know why you do what you do. You best have some scripture behind what you believe. It's not enough for you to get it from me on Sunday. Now, you need to come on Sunday, but, 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 but it's not enough just for you to sit here and leave it though I'm trying to break it down because unless you're doing your own studying, you're not even getting half of what I'm saying. From a psychological standpoint, from a, a, a psychological standpoint, they say that when you are in a setting where a preacher is lecturing or a teacher's lecturing, you only retain 10% of what he says. One of the reasons why we went to this because I wanted to engage you in more than just your ears. I wanted to engage your eyes. The more I engage you in what I am doing, the more you're going to retain. That's why sometimes I have you repeat what I say because as you repeat it, as you physically get involved, then you retain more of what is being done on on, on Sunday. Matter of fact, as we get into worship, worship is more than just listening. Worship is an anticipation. You can become involved in this thing. That's why it's good to call back. It's good to sing the songs. It's good to work. I mean, if we just sit here on our do nothing and sit there and do nothing, then let me, let me, let me. Every fire is not the right fire, even in the church. Turn to Leviticus, Leviticus 10. It will come up on the screen. In the Old Testament, what you have in Leviticus, you have the two sons of Aaron. Aaron had other sons, but these are two sons that was priests. Remember, you had to be of the bloodline of Aaron to be a priest. The Old Testament priests represented the people to God. They went into the Holy of Holies and made sacrifices for the people. They stood before God as a representative of all the tribes. They made petition to God. They made sacrifice to God. And everything that they were supposed to do, God gave strict orders. Many commentaries believe that these two sons of Aaron, Nadab and Abilahu, was drunk this day. Here they were, high priests, and they walked into the, the, the presence of God in the tabernacle of God and they carry in with them instead of having a coal 
off the altar where they were supposed to get their fire, they took another fire in. Hold on. Many believe instead of bringing the right incense that they knew to bring, they brought in the wrong incense. Listen, God does not have to receive our worship. Listen, if you go to McDonald's and they give you a half-eaten Big Mac, I mean, you open it up, and someone been eating on your Big Mac, and you just got it from the window. Well, are you going to accept that? Wonder if you walk in the store spending your good money, and the, and, the, and the person at the counter is nasty, and throw your money across the counter where it's on the floor. Somebody going to say more than oops. Some of us going to reach back to when we. Y'all know how y'all used to be. We know how we used to be. We reach back to those words we thought we forgot. Matter of fact, if we're not careful, they was on that side of the counter. Now they're on this side of the counter on the ground. If we're not going to accept anything, why should God? Listen, this is his house. This is about him. So why should he take our leftovers? Matter of fact, I, I am beginning to believe that sometimes you need to go to the bathroom before you come into the sanctuary. Go even though you don't have to use it, lock the door and take some time out to get your attitude right. Because sometimes we, we all get up on the wrong side of the bed. But that doesn't mean that you got to walk in the sanctuary with the wrong attitude. I think that sometime before we turn into the church parking lot, we need to take a cruise around the corner and start praising God to get the wrong spirit off of us because we woke up with a bad spirit. But I refuse to bring to God's house the wrong Now, hold on, hold on. My spirit may not be high as high it was uh, last week, but I'm going to bring him the best I can manage today. I've got to put aside me and my attitude, my headache, my stomach ache, and say, Lord, I'm not at my best today, but this is the best that I have today. And when we come with that attitude, he makes up the difference. I'm not telling you that you got to be at your best. I'm telling you, you give him the best you have that day. And it varies. But our God is worthy 
for me to come in here looking for him. Verse 2. Those what God calls it. Strange fire. Not the right fire. It's a strange fire. Say, since, since God said you want to play with fire, let me play with fire. Notice it says that fire came from the presence of God and killed them. You just said something which you're going to make me go there. You said, thank God it doesn't happen today. Who said it doesn't happen today? What I mean by that, in the book of Corinthians, Paul writes to the Corinthian church, because y'all are not taking the communion correctly, and some of y'all are playing, some of y'all are asleep. Listen, he said, since you want to play with me, you steal my child, but I bring you home before your time. I'm just saying. Why are you saying this? I think that it behooves us to take serious what God takes serious. And if I don't know what he takes serious, how can I take it serious? It's moving up to, to see what God sees as worship. And surrendering myself, yourself, up under him. Because the higher we step up, the more he's going to do. Y'all didn't hear that. The higher we begin to have a higher level of what he's doing the more it opens us up to be blessed by him. I want you all to get all that God has for you. Genesis, Genesis, Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. Cain and Abel are the sons of Adam and Eve. They are the second generation of humans on the face of the earth. And already, God has already established worship. This blows me away. Listen, this is before the law. This is before God gave articles. Somehow he communicated to them worship. Matter of fact, one of the first things I believe happened when Adam and Eve was made was worship. Let me explain. In Genesis 1, 20, no, Genesis 2 and 7, when he makes Adam, when Adam is laying there, just a shell of a person, God blows into his nostrils and he becomes a living soul. His first experience is God. I think he washed up. In Genesis chapter 2, beginning, in, in, well, Genesis 2, verse 22 and 24, after he reached into Adam and pulled out Eve and builds Eve, the same experience, though the text doesn't say it, is intended in the text. He breathed into her, and her first experience is God. I believe she washed it. Hold on. Genesis 3, 
Genesis 3, I think it's verse 15, that it says, and God came down in the cool of the day. And when he came down in the cool of the day, it means that he, as usual, came down in the cool of the day. And Adam and Eve used to run to him. This time, they ran away from him. And I think when they ran to him, because it is based on relationship, they played in the presence of God and worship him. Did you know that you've been created to worship him? Did you know that something is wrong with a person that doesn't worship God? Did you know that worshiping God puts you back where you're supposed to be? The song they say is, I want to be spiritual. Well, one of the ways you get spiritual is to worship him. And the more you worship him, the more your spirit comes alive and you begin to walk in the spirit. That's why Sunday morning is so important that after being beat up all week by the stuff of the world, I need to come in here with folks that know my God. I need y'all to help me say, I need y'all to remind me our God is God. I need the fire of us coming together praising him so my spirit so my spirit Cain and Abel come and they offer a sacrifice the scripture tells us that Abel is uh, uh, the keeper of the flock Cain keeps the ground and it came to pass in the course of time that Cain brought the offering to the Wait a minute, how does he know to do this? Unless God somewhere has communicated to them what he wants them to do. Verse 4. Abel on his part also brought the first one of the flock, the fat part. And the Lord had regard on the Abel. You know what that's saying? God blessed Abel. He walked away blessed by God. Something transpired, transpired when he worshiped. Because he came away, God wanted him to. He walked away better. Y'all didn't hear that. The end result of us worshiping God is that you walk away better. I don't think y'all heard me. Somehow, God met him where he was and took him where he needed to be. How you know that? So, listen what it says. It says, but Cain brought his offering. But God refused him. Uh -huh. And his continent fell. You know why his continent? He know he didn't receive what his brother had received. All right. Next verse. Then the Lord said to Cain, look how gracious the Lord is. So I said, Cain, my son, why are you angry? Why have your continent Oh, why you got attitude? <laughs> if you would have done well, 
Would not your continent be lifted? Know what he's saying? If you have done well, would not have blessed you too? Hold on. Come into the presence of God and walk out without your blessing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He came into the presence of God. God is more willing to bless him than he's willing to be blessed. But because he refused to bring what God wanted him to bring, and he knew what to bring, he walked out without getting what he was seeking. Wow. I wonder, how how can I say this? I'm just going to say it. How many times do you think we left our blessing on the table? Hold on, I got to say this to myself. How many times have I left my blessing on the table? It's not just some of us, it's all of us. And what God is saying here is, he said, when you worship me, when you worship me, I want to I bless you when you worship me. But I'm not going to bless you if you come with anything. Look what he says. He said, he said, he said, don't you know that sin is waiting for you? God's not even mad at him. Listen, he got so jealous of his brother that he killed his brother because his brother got blessed and he didn't. But you know what? All he had to do was do what was right. All he had to do is, listen, God is an equal opportunity God. Hold on, hold on, hold on. What he has done for others, he would do for you. God don't have favorites. No, I take that back. All of us his favorite. And what he would do for others, he would surely do for you. Turn to Romans, Romans 10, 1 and 4. Here in Romans, Paul was writing about his Jewish brethren. He's a Jew. And his desire is for the Jews to be saved. And they have rejected the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. They have not accepted Jesus as the Messiah as a whole. And though he, he, he knows that they have a knowledge, but look what he says. Brother, my heart desire, my prayers to God is for them that they would receive salvation. For I testify that they have a zeal. Jehovah Witnesses is out in front of stores at 5 and 6 o'clock in the morning. Waiting for you to come out, give you a pamphlet. They, 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 they knock on your door, allow you to slam the door in their face, and come back two weeks later. They have a zeal, they have enthusiasm. A good Muslim pray five times. Six times a day. We have a hard time praying 
And they will bow and touch their forehead on the ground. Get on their knees. They have a zeal, but not according. If anybody ought to be excited, it ought to be us. Paul says in the next verse, he says, they offer up their own stuff and expect God to accept it. They establish their own righteousness. Listen, God gave the gift, gave it to you, and all he wants you to do is give the gift back. Oh, y'all didn't catch that. Christ paid the price. He gave us Jesus, put Jesus on the inside, and want us to give back to Jesus that he gave to us. My God, listen, he's already asking us to manufacture our own stuff. He gave it to you. Then ask you after he gave it to you to open up your heart and give it back. By the way we live, by the way we worship, to make our life all about him. I mean, hold on. How good, how easy can he make it? Hold on. I'm not saying living a Christian life is easy. I am saying being a Christian is easy because being a Christian is based on the Holy Ghost that is inside of you. And we just got to die to self and allow Christ to be Christ in us. But once he gave it to you, can't nobody, listen, all the demons in hell can't stop you from being what God has made for you to be. Verse 5. I think I told him verse 5. I don't know. Maybe I didn't. I'm getting beyond myself. Did I give y'all verse 5? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Let's go on to the next verse I want. Let's go on to, listen to this. Romans chapter, not Romans, John chapter 8. He says, if you are my disciples, there you go. Continue in my work. The level of where we are now is not going to be the level we're going to be. Let me say that again. As we walk in the word, more life comes through us. Let me say it another way. The glory that you have now from God is not the end of the glory that he wants to bring through your life. Just because you started it don't mean it's over. You keep on walking in it. It's a hunger and a thirst for the relationship that we have with him. And the more that we hunger to walk in the spirit, the more stuff that used to hinder us don't hinder us no more. Let me see if I can break this down a little bit more. The same stuff that used to trip you up two years ago shouldn't trip you up this year. Stuff that used to make you cuss last year ought to make you shout this year. 
That means that those words that used to slip, not as many of them slip out anymore. That means, that means, that means, that means, that means that the same trick that the devil used to make you fall, he throw it at you now and you know how to jump over it. I mean, there's some stuff now you know you have overcome. There's some stuff now you know you don't do no more. There's some stuff now that you can say, I've been changed. There's some stuff now that I, I shake that off. There's some stuff now that brings about a smile on your face. That, oh, devil, I got that. You can't get me with that no more. There's some stuff now. Folks used to make you get so mad, you laughed at them and said, you need to come up a little bit higher, baby, because the same stuff that used to get up under my skin, I'm not getting on your roller coaster. <laughs> Folks used to get up under your nerve. You look at them now and laugh. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's some rides I'm not getting back on. There's some situations can't move me no more. I had made up my mind, I'm not going back there. Now you may hit me with a new trick, but some of those old tricks, I'm beyond that. Truth sets you free. Truth bring out of you the spirit that is in you. The spirit of God abides in us. And the more word we get on the inside, the more you begin to say, shoot, I'm stronger than that. Shoot, I'm better than that. You must know, not know who I am. And better than that, you must not know who my father is. He's a keeper. He's a way maker. He's a provider. I don't fall for that anymore. I'm not saying you have conquered everything, but thank God. Thank God you done conquered some things. And that gives you encouragement to say, and the rest of the stuff, you just wait. The righteous man, the righteous woman falls seven times, but they keep getting back. Truth will make you, aren't you so glad you're not worried about what folks think about you no more? You used to be in bondage because you heard somebody talk about you. I don't know why they don't like me. Now you don't care if they like you or not. Blessed be his name. Blessed be his name. Listen, some folks not going to like you because they're not going to like you. Don't you be upset. I am who I am because God has made me who I am. You may not like it, but it's who I am. My fact is not about you anyway. After a while, you walk in such freedom. You can wear the wrong color, don't have to coordinate, 
had the wrong shoe on and said, oh man, I got mixed back shoes on. I'm going to praise God anyhow. Hole in the stocking. Bad hair day. And you're going to let that affect your worship? Please. Listen. Second Timothy 3. Watch this. Watch this. Watch how God does this. Watch how God does this. He speaks to her as God is desiring. Check that out. Go back to uh, John, John chapter 4. Allow me to bring this out. Then we try to wrap this up and go home. He says, John chapter 4, somewhere around verse 23. He says, God desires. We are looking at the heart of God here. He desires such people to worship him. The Father seeks. He enables us. He empowers us to worship him in the right way. Here he says, spirit. Very important. Here the spirit, if you go back to John 3, it talks about being born again of the spirit. And what he is really saying is, unless you have had the born again experience by accepting the Lord Jesus Christ, you may talk spiritually, but you're not spiritual. He says, that because of Adam, our spirit was dead. This brings up really some uh, controversy in the, the, in the world of, of theologians because you have a lot of theologians say that we are dichotomous, which means that we are two-person beings. We are a soul, physical being. You have a physical body and you have a soul. Why? Because in the Old Testament, you do not hear them talk about the spirit of man. You hear them only talk about the Holy Spirit, but not the spirit of man. They carry that thought over into the New Testament, which I believe is a mistake. Why? Because in John chapter 3, Jesus began to talk to Nicodemus about being born again. And he preferences it by saying, born of water and spirit. 
many people, even though those that bring out water back to creation when the Spirit moved upon the earth. But if you go to the next verse, he says, he says, what is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the Spirit is spirit. So he is speaking of physical birth and spiritual birth. A baby is surrounded in the, uh, what's it called? Thank you. What, what's, what's it called? Pacenta. Okay. Thank you. See, it's good to have uh, 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 paramedic. I was going to say, whatever he is on your, your house. <laughs> the placenta, which is a, 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 a fluid, a bloom, a fluid, which is water. And it breaks in the, in the birth, natural birth. But here he says, what is born of the spirit, capital S, is man's spirit. Listen, Ephesians chapter 2, he says, quicken, that they are quickened or made alive. What happened? The Holy Spirit comes in and quicken your spirit. It awakens the spirit of man that was dead. There are, this morning I said, there are three times when God breathes on us. As I was sitting there before I prayed, I realized there are four. Didn't see that before. Thank God for his illumination. You see God breathe on Adam after he forms him. He calls everything else up, but he forms Adam. He called the birds in the air, and now the element that they're born is they needed to survive. He called the animals out of the ground and rise up out of the ground. Matter of fact, going back and reading chapter 2, Adam is standing there, and God says, let there be, and the animals come up. As Adam is standing there, God says, let there be, and the birds flying in the sky. As he's standing there, after he's near a sea, God said, let there be, and he probably see the dolphins flip up in the air. Awesome. But with man, he, he takes his time and forms him out of the dust of the ground and calls the dust to come together. And the suit is laying there complete, but yet no life. And God somehow reaches down. There's the illustration he gives. And he... You see another place where he breathes Jesus after the resurrection and he meets his disciples in John 19 and it says he tells his disciples to receive the Holy Spirit when it comes and he let me go back you also see in Ezekiel which is an illustration when he takes Ezekiel to the to the valley of the dead bones and the very dry bones. And it says that Ezekiel begins to prophesy to the wind, and the wind blows on the body, and they become a mighty, mighty army. Notice God the Father breathed, Jesus the Son breathed, and the Holy Ghost breathed. But wait a minute. There's another breathe. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 where it says that God's word is inspired. What the Greek says is that the word was, huh? Okay, let's go back. He breathes on Adam. Adam becomes a spirit soul man. 
He breathes on Eve, then she becomes a spirit soul. He breathes on the bodies of dead, dry bones. They become a living army. He breathes on his disciples. The Holy Spirit comes in. They are quickened and made alive. So what does it mean in 2 Timothy 3.16 when the word is breathed? Why then what is happening in the dynamic of the word that he says, my word is breathed on these pages so that when I preach it, I'm breathing on you again. I don't think we heard that. I don't think we heard that. Listen to what I'm saying. He says in John 6, 63, he says that the words that I speak are spirit and they are life. So every time the word of God is being preached, God is trying to preach life into us. He's trying to cause dead things to lay down and call live things to come up. The question is this. Music helps set the atmosphere, but what he says he breathed life is the word of God. And on concert day, the church is packed. Some folks stay for the sake and leave before the preacher. But what it is, God is trying to set the atmosphere that when the word of God is preached, life comes forth. I don't think we hear it yet. God wants to speak a living word in me, to me, in you, to you. That after you leave here on Sunday morning, something done happened in your spirit. And your spirit, man, has been strengthened. Oh, your flesh may not like it, but your spirit walks out of here and says, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror. Well, how do you know you're more than a conqueror? Because the word of God says I am. And something on the side of me caught hold to what God is speaking to me. Oh, the word will make your giants a footstool. David had enough word in him that he could look at Goliath and say, you ain't nothing but an uncircumcised Philistine. My God is bigger than your God. Is your God bigger than your problems? Is your God bigger than your situation? Is your God bigger than whatever you are facing? Something ought to happen on Sunday that when you're looking down, when we get together and praises begin to go up, your head ought to begin to lift up a little bit higher. Something ought to happen. Now I'm saying you get energized, come in hurting. You may walk out hurting, but there's a pet to your step. Because you know your God is able. See, I, I, I don't come here to see what you're wearing. I come here because my God been good to me. I come because I know he's able to meet me where I'm at and take me where I need to be. Are you sitting on the seat of expectation, expecting God to do something? Well, I got a word for you. Our God is able. Our God is able. Your God is able. 
He will do what he needs to do in you. There ought to be, listen, if your life is a little bit dim, by the time you leave here, Hold on, hold on. Devil done whoop you up all week. But I tell you what, after Sunday, y'all say, come on, come on, come on, come on, let's do it. Y'all be ready to fight. Y'all be ready to fight. Y'all be ready to fight. In the name of Jesus, in the name of You don't know who you're fooling with, do you? My, my, my daddy sits up in heaven. He's able. He's able. He's able. He's able. The fire of your light ought to get a little bit brighter. You ought to have a little bit more confidence. That I win at the end. May not look good right now. Going down for the third time. But wait a minute. It's not over. Till God says it's over. It's not over. It's not over. Hold on. If you walked in with a frown, how dare you walk out with a frown? How dare you? God's been too good for us to look like we've been sucking lemons all week. Our God is good. Right now he's good. Right now he's able. What are you talking about? I'm talking about coming out of the natural. Getting caught up in the spiritual. Seeing things from his point of view. Start walking in what God has for you. I came to get my blessing. But before he blessed me, I blessed him. I said glory. I said hallelujah. I said you are worthy. Something happened when I started blessing him. I felt it from my head to my toes. I feel a change. a fire that will move stuff out of your way. It's a fire that says he don't have me no more. It's a fire that make you sing though you can't sing. It's a fire that will make you say glory hallelujah glory 
like when the church comes together. It's your spirit. It's your intellect. It's your emotion. It's your body that engages in the worship. Y'all didn't hear that. It's your body. It's your emotion. It's your intellect and your spirit that engages in the worship. There is no other place where that takes place on all levels. That's why when you leave out of here, you tired. I mean, I mean, I mean. After that, they just said, whoa. I'm so tired. Some of y'all got to go home and take a nap. Just can't take it. And you wonder why, why am I so tired? Her one guy said, man, I run basketball. But after Sunday morning, I'm so tired. When your spirit is moved. When your spirit is moved. When it incorporates the entire being. Your spirit gets tired. Well, I take that back. Your spirit don't get tired, but your flesh gets tired. We need this. We're at our best when the spirit is worshiping. So that when we leave here, no matter what the devil throws at you, you are prepared to look up. Praise automatically come out of your mouth. You begin to say, I know for with my help comes. So I lift my eyes over the hills with cometh my help for my help. My help. My help. My help. My strength. My peace. My joy. If you don't have that dimension in your life, you're not living. You may have everything else but if you don't have that spiritual connection where you can turn to your relationship with Jesus and draw on strength, then you're missing out. You are a spiritual being that has a soul that is in a body, and unless you are spiritually connected, He made you to know him. He made you to worship him. 
He made you to be in love with him. He made you that the best of you can't come out of you unless he have his hands on you. Today, I got preachers that will talk with you and pray with you so that you can establish this walk, this relationship. He's a personal God. He's a right now God. And today, he will make himself real to you. But you got to come and ask him to come in. And, that, and what he has done for others, he will. He will do for you. He will no wise cast you out today as the choir comes. If you hear and as we stand, come on. Come on. You want to get reconnected to a church because you've been out of fellowship. And you need to come where, where you can catch on fire. Come on.